you've arrived at episode 124. Have you been on a weight loss journey before, burnt away that body fat and gotten to where you wanted to be and thought, oh well, what now? And because you didn't have much direction on the next chapter of your health journey, you then in fact kind of just forgot. (laughs) Fast forward 12 months and you're like, shit, I'm back where I started. Well, today's episode is going to give you a starting place for that next chapter if you're someone that has reached your goal weight. If you're a man or a woman and want to learn how to take that next step, begin that new chapter into making your body stronger, more powerful, and even growing some muscle, then this episode is going to set you up in just the right way. Alrighty, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Happy Wednesday or whichever day it is that you're listening to this episode. How things been going in your world? All right, before we roll the dice, I have to let you know that it is my mission to coach 250 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that you truly want before the end of December 2021. Now, today's episode is the result of a question I've had from clients, Instagram followers, and many of you out there listening in on the show. And I just want to do a shout out to Eric and Casey for being legends as it was their question that finally prompted me to make an episode answering this exact question on the podcast. Now, it's really important to discuss the fact that this podcast is not about being super ripped and lean and being a, you know, a gym junkie or anything like that. I obviously work a lot with holistic health from all angles and being muscle dense and ripped and lean can absolutely be a part of that. However, I'm not a personal trainer uh, and so a lot of what you need to do is work with a personal trainer or you know, smash the gym, that kind of stuff. However, I do know a lot about the metabolism uh, and about the muscle building components of what's going on inside the body, the forces, the stress, the pressures that we need to place upon the body in order to have muscles grow and to be, be a bigger person and manage the difference between the way that food becomes body fat or the way that food becomes muscle and how we burn it off and all of the different hormones that play into it. So whilst I am answering the question, how do I build muscle? If you're looking for a gym junkies show where we're all about trying to find our abs, get super ripped uh, and, you know, get our rack out on Instagram, then this is probably not the podcast for you to listen to. However, this may be a great place for you to start. There's nothing wrong with being proud of a body that you've worked hard for. Okay. All right, then. Let's get into this. So, the first few things that I want to mention is what you should have done to get here. Okay. So, it's often much longer journey than you expect to reach your goal weight, okay? So, I'm assuming if you've reached your goal weight, you have not done it through a fad diet because if you've done it through a fad diet, it's not going to last long and you will not be focused on building muscle. You'll be focused on how to lose the next lot of fat because you haven't done it in a one tweak a week, progressive, sustainable way with a focus on being a healthy person, right? That's what we need to focus on. So, if you haven't done it that way, then... I would recommend jumping into my program, listening to this podcast, uh, begin the journey to a sustainable, healthy life rather than fad dieting. Okay, but I've got a few things here that we need to have done in order to make sure we're in a position to be able to build muscle in a healthy way. Okay, you ready? So if you've reached your goal weight, 
which I hope you have. And if you have, first up, congratulations. That's amazing. Many people try their whole lives and never succeed because of the abundance of information, the lack of contextual information. And it's important that I acknowledge as well, a lot of people on YouTube and Facebook and other podcasts and and Instagram will probably disagree with some of the things that I have to say because the truth is, that everybody's different, everyone's metabolism and history is different, and whilst many things work for the same type of person, you know, what works for other people may not work for you. What works for me might not work for other people out there that are influencers that are sharing this information. So, what I'm sharing with you today is what should work for most people generally. (laughs) Broad brush I'm painting with those statements, but that's the truth. You are an individual. Okay, so what should you have done to get to your goal weight? Okay, which is an awesome achievement. So number one, you should have removed sugars and vegetable oil laden foods. These things are so damaging, like so they fuck your shit up so badly over the course of your life, right? And some people are like, oh, just, you know, I I do it less. If you're consuming these kinds of foods every single day, you are absolutely damaging your arteries. You are absolutely contributing to fat stores. You are absolutely contributing to the degradation of your brain function and the hippocampus and your joints, just the whole vessel that is your body is damaged by the consumption of sugars and vegetable oils that are in all sorts of prepackaged foods. Anything in a bag, a box or a can is likely abundant in sugar and vegetable oil. So number one, we should have removed those. Two, we should have reduced or eliminated dairy or gluten. Oh shit, he said it out loud. Oh my God. Now, not everybody reacts to dairy or gluten, but a lot of studies show that a lot of people do have an inflammatory response. Remember, when it comes to dairy, 70% of the world's population is unable to process dairy, right? And many people in the Western world have the same, or not exactly, not meta, not um, molecularly the same issue, but a similar inflammatory response to gluten, okay? And it's particularly the case in the likes of the US, Australia. And the point is that when we consume these foods and have inflammatory reactions, we feel gross, Just like the sugar and vegetable oil things, they take from the body, they take resources from the body because we're reacting to them, we're defending the body, right? makes you feel gross, bloated, tired, you know, you can get sore joints, all of these types of things and we just don't want that. So for most people, not everyone, not everyone, don't hurt me, don't sling your shit over here. (laughs) But most people, I believe, and it's not just a belief, I know this clinically, most people will benefit from a reduction or an elimination of dairy and gluten, all right? And I'll do a podcast on each of those at some point where I break it down. Number three, you should have implemented a solid intermittent fasting schedule. Remember, we all actually intermittent fast every day. It's just now we're aware of the times. So we, you know, you never really not intermittent fasting. It's just the schedule changes. But of course, the idea of actively doing intermittent fasting is that you are aware of the schedule and you're actually able to optimize it, right? You're able to schedule meal times and the contents of your meal in a way that actually benefits you. So, it's like we're always doing intermittent fasting, but it's consciously intermittent fasting in a way that benefits you and works for your life because everybody's life is physically structured differently, right? Four, improved your gut health and microbiome diversity. This is really, really important as we get healthier and as the body burns fat because we don't want to be starving ourselves. We don't want to be putting in a limited number of foods because if we do that, our microbiome reduces in its complexity and its density and its, uh, you know, 
Like a healthy microbiome should have 500 to 1,000 different species. However, somebody that's living on the typical Aussie diet or the typical uh, American diet, you know, the SAD diet, is going to have lower than 300. And this is a problem. And and this is often uh, an indicator that your body is not familiar with healthy food. If you're someone that eats terribly and then you go healthy for a week and you're like, oh, I had, I had healthy food, I had salads and I had steak and these types of things and I got bloated and I felt disgusting, healthy, maybe healthy is just not for me. Guarantee you that is not true. You're just lacking. You're just lacking the microbiome contents and species, the bacteria, the fungus that will help break down that food. Okay, so we need to introduce foods that help that diversity, uh, you know, and the fauna and flora flourish. We want that to, you know, grow in abundance so that when we put different foods in, our body can not only break them down, but it can pull apart all the vitamins and minerals and all the proteins and fats and carbs and do what the body needs to do with them in the best possible way. We want those things to be building the body. Okay, so we want to make sure the gut health is healthy and diverse and that we're really not reacting to much and not much makes us bloated by putting in lots of different foods, by putting in probiotic foods. And that's another thing we do in the program is introduce probiotic foods into our normal daily life. It's not just when we kind of feel sick and we go to the chemist and we pop a few capsules uh, that the the pharmacist there said, oh, try these, try these off the shelf random things. (laughs) We want to try and do that with real food because it is far more rich of a variety of probiotic species. Okay. I'll do another podcast on that. I'm going to go on tangents on all of these. I'm sorry. (laughs) Number five, learn how to manage stress. This is actually huge because So when you get stressed, right, your brain sends a signal to your adrenal glands and your adrenal glands release cortisol, which is known as the stress hormone, right? And the problem is that, you know, and you've you've probably heard me use this analogy. You've probably heard lots of people use the analogy that when you're stressed, right, it's like your body doesn't know the difference between getting uh, in a fight with your partner, having a shitty day at work, being abused by a random person on the street or being chased by a lion thousands of years ago when we, or hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago when we used to hunt food uh, or be hunted by animals or being chased by a kangaroo in Australia. That's a real thing in the modern day. <laughs> Not very common. But your, your body doesn't know, right, the difference. So let me explain why that's important briefly. Again, another whole podcast that I need to do. But basically, cortisol leads to your, because you're in a stressful situation, what do you need? You need energy to react because remember, your body is fearing for its life. It's in survival mode. It, it, it's irrelevant, the task you're actually doing in physical reality, but your hormones and your body doesn't know the difference. It's like stress, quick, get all of the weapons ready to fight for our lives and run for our lives. However, most of the time you're in, you're in a stressful situation and you're seated in your chair. So cortisol tells your body to release sugar into the bloodstream rapidly. And so we release that sugar into the bloodstream so that we can we have the physical resources available to facilitate running for our lives or to facilitate having a sword fight or facilitate a physical punch on, you know, or a physical altercation. However, because you're sitting in your chair at home or sitting on the couch fighting with your partner or sitting in your chair, uh, you know, reading shitty emails from clients or, or from colleagues, you've released all of this sugar into the bloodstream, but you actually have no physical capacity to use it because you're seated. You're not running. You're not using your muscles. So guess what? That cortisol then leads to that sugar coming out and the sugar goes around your body waiting to be used as energy and it doesn't. 
And so guess what? It goes back into storage, often around your midsection, often around the gut, right? There are a lot more parts of this pathway that are really important and other hormones that come into this, insulin, estrogen, other things, uh, and different metabolic things to mention. But the basic take-home message here is learn how to manage your stress because the cortisol that releases the sugar and the sugar then builds our body fat, okay? So it's very hard to reach your goal weight if you haven't sorted this out. And number six I've got here is a change in your mindset, okay? That you're not trying to lose weight for shallow superficial reasons. You're not just chasing a number on the scale because it's where, you know, you derive your self-worth from. If that's where you're at and you get up and stand on the scales every day, you know, that's already a sign there. If you measure your weight every day, that's a sign that you're, you're potentially invested in this for a reason that is potentially not building you up and helpful for your psychology, right? So changing your mindset. And this is probably the most beneficial component of my program too, is that we go through in the in the first few weeks, it's about mindset and beliefs and the way that we look at ourselves and the way that we interact with the world. Because if we're chasing a weight to feel better about ourselves because weight is the thing that makes us feel good, we're setting ourselves up for failure because for most people, that process doesn't happen fast enough. They feel shit. As soon as they gain a kilo again, you know, they feel shit about themselves and we just can't be controlled by body image and we can't be controlled by metrics that make us feel like shit. For some people, the number on the scale is really helpful because they're not attached to it. They don't look at the number and the rest of their... and and you know, it doesn't dictate the rest of their day. It's not like you sit there. It's not like Tats Lotto where you sit there and hope for a number. And if you don't get it, you feel shit for the rest of the day because your life hasn't changed. Your life's never going to change, you know, overnight in between weighing yourself at seven in the morning on Tuesday and seven in the morning on on, uh, Wednesday, right? So you need to be making sure that you are in a weight loss journey or a muscle building journey for the right reasons, because it makes you a better parent, because it makes you a better leader, because it makes you feel better. It makes you better at your job, right? And then one, as you start to lose weight, you really start to experience what, you know, having a mood food day, aka food that isn't ideal for your body. You have one of those days or two of those days and you're like, whoa, I feel so shit. So the reason that I'm on a weight loss journey or the reason that I'm on a muscle building journey is because it makes my everyday life experience much better. The quality of my life experience is improved. So that's a reason to move forward. So you need to change your mindset to a long-term daily intention to be better for yourself, to feel healthy, to feel great for you because it makes you a better person. It makes life better. And then if you've got kids, it makes their life better. They see you prioritizing yourself, looking after yourself. So they will grow up to model you. Same with your friends. And you might get some backlash from people around you. And and that's something we must learn to manage because we can't please everyone. But if we can keep our own house, aka our own vessel, our own body in order and our own psychology in alignment with that, then we're heading in the right direction direction. So that's what we, in a nutshell, what we should have done to get to a place of being in the right or having having hit our goal weight. Because if we haven't sorted those things out, building muscle is going to be pretty challenging. Okay. So now it's time you've reached your goal weight. Boom. This is awesome. Congratulations. Now you've reached out to me on Instagram, like Eric did and said, Maddie, I want to build muscle. What now? What do we do now? How do we go the other direction, all right? So you can absolutely build muscle still using intermittent fasting, right? It's not all about calorie restriction. Remember, intermittent fasting is just about timing. 
It's just about timing. It's not about starving yourself. It's not about being, you know, counting calories and being super strict on what you can eat on some days and what you can't eat on some days. It's about optimizing meal timing. And secondly, optimizing meal content. All right. So I've got here seven, seven tips for muscle building. Now we're going the other way. And this is for men and women. Okay. Anyone can build muscle. All right. Number one, we want to do mainly weight training. So we, we, you can't just build muscle doing nothing. You must put your body and your bones under tension and under stress. Now, this is not like cortisol I mentioned before. This is well, well, there's cortisol involved in this process, but this is a different type of stress. We're putting physical stress on the muscles and the bones. Now, you want that happen to happen to your bones as well because it increases bone density, which makes your bones stronger. That's a positive. This means our weight's going to start going up. As we build muscle and as we build bone, our weight is going going to increase. However, it's the composition that we're going for here. We're going for an increase in muscle mass and not an increase in body fat, right? So we also want to do less cardio. Okay, so mainly weight training because weight training requires a lot more muscular cells to be partaking in the activity. Therefore, there's more energy being burnt. Therefore, there's more stress being put on the body. Whereas cardio, it's really good for your heart and cardiovascular health, uh, but we don't want to be doing too much of it, okay? Because there's actually a lot of evidence to say that it's not hugely beneficial to building muscle. Actually, it's barely beneficial at all to building muscle, but it is good for cardiovascular health and you know, keeping your heart healthy and your veins healthy is absolutely important. But if we're talking about building muscle, the vast majority of the time should be under weights, under tension. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Right. And and when I say that as well, don't be don't be the person that goes into the gym and picks up the five hundred gram weights or, you know, a super light weight and just throws them about that your workout virtually turns into a cardio workout. By the end you want to be struggling. Don't be silly, of course. Don't do an injury. You want to build up over time, start light go to heavy, but you don't want to be able to throw those weights around. You want to be able to, you know, lift those weights. And by the end of it, you want to be struggling, shaking, like, whoa, this is, this. I'm going to feel this, right? Uh, but don't do an injury. Don't be so ridiculous. Don't walk in and try and do a 100 kilo best bench press on day one. What's 100 kilos? Like, I don't know, 150 pounds, 200 pounds. I don't know. But uh, be smart, but also... Remember, under tension. Number two, when to work out? When do you work out? That's a good question, right? So the best thing 
and this is best not contextual to your life, but the best thing is actually first thing in the morning. Why first thing in the morning? Because if we're intermittent fasting, uh, or well, most people that wake up have been fasting through their sleep, right? So what you want to do is be in a situation when you work out where you're the most insulin sensitive, okay? When we're talking about weight loss, we're always talking about insulin resistance and changing that. Now we're on the other end of the spectrum, which is insulin sensitivity. So at the deep end of the fast, so just before you have your first meal to start the feeding window, that's when you want to work out because fasting already creates insulin sensitivity. And then you go do a a weights workout, your insulin sensitivity has gone up even further. And why do we want to do that? Because as soon as we eat, our muscles are going to be craving like desperately scavenging any available protein. That's where, and we'll get to the food that we put in, but we want to be deep into insulin sensitivity and capitalize on that protein synthesis, it, which means that it moves the protein to exactly where we want it to go. It's, it's nowhere near being in excess and needing to be filtered out through the kidneys or needing to be uh, stored as body fat with the protein and carbs and other foods that you put in. It's going to do exactly what you want it to do at that point in time. Okay. And it's important to mention, don't do cardio at the end of a fast. That's a bad time to do it. Okay. Uh, Number three, when to eat, when to eat. So we want to change up the eating window for people that are super serious about this. So whenever you do work out, whether it's morning or night, you actually, you want to be deep into your fast. So you work out and then you break the fast after the workout in the 30 to 60 minutes following the fast. Uh, And if that's in the morning, you actually want your fasting window to move, you know, morning to, you know, let's say you're doing 16-8, right? So if you break it at 7 in the morning, then you want to finish it up at 3 in the afternoon from the protein that we put in immediately after the workout. So uh, as well, you might not want to fast every day. That might be a thing to do as well uh, if you're wanting to make sure that you're you know, doing lots of workouts, getting lots of protein into the body because you can't build the body out of nothing. You need to put a lot of food in, right? Um, so it's really important to eat your first meal, which is a protein-rich meal, immediately after the workout, okay? And it's best to do your biggest workouts, so lots of compound moves. We're talking squats, deadlifts, uh, you know, doing a full leg day, uh, lots of chest chest press and back. Those big workout days you want to do in your deepest fasts, after your longest fasts, okay? Because you're going to get the most benefit when you break the fast with the meal because there's going to be more muscles soaking up that protein. Number four, what to eat? Lean protein and a little bit of carbs, okay? We're usually talking about fat loss. We're talking about lowering carbs a lot of the time. But remember, fat loss or building muscle, carbs are often super important for hormonal regulation, particularly in menstruating women uh, and menopausal women. So carbs have a place. However, if we're talking about just building muscle, we want really lean protein. What's lean protein look like? It looks like kangaroo in Australia, wallaby in Australia, crocodile in Australia. These are super lean. Why are they lean? Because they live natural lives and they're very active animals. So these animals are really, really good to eat. Otherwise, we're talking, you know, chicken, your turkey, although there's not much chicken and turkey you can buy that's not full of bullshit uh, in the Western world. However, if you can find organic and particularly grass-fed, If it's not naturally caught or naturally hunted or wild, then you want to go organic and grass-fed, which has another benefit. Not only is there less toxins in it because the animal has lived a more natural life, but it's higher in omega-3s, which actually stimulate a muscle-building messenger chemical hormone called mTOR. 
So it's another reason that we want to have sort of healthier meat because it's got omega-3s in it, which really stimulates mTOR. So the, the button is often between autophagy, where we're sort of, which is catabolic, which is breaking the body down and recycling cells, and mTOR is anabolic, where it's building, uh, building us up. So we want to we stimulate mTOR in a muscle-building muscle phase, right? So omega-3s facilitate mTOR going up. Uh, so lean protein and a little bit of carbs. Why carbs? Because when we're super insulin-sensitive, uh, right, we're deep into that uh, fast, and we've just done a workout. That means our insulin is ready to go. It's ready to grab that sugar and carbs that we put in and protein, and get it into the muscles as fast as possible. So we want a little bit of fructose and glucose there. So maybe some berries, maybe a rice cake, maybe a potato, so that the pro the lean protein that goes in gets shunted into the muscles faster than it would if it was by itself. So the little bit of sugar and carbs in that phase helps shunt that protein into the muscles. That's where you want it to be because remember we're building muscle, so we want that uh, the amino the amino acids and free proteins that we've just put into the blood via our diet via our gut. We want them to be shunted directly into the muscles so that they can be formulated into new muscle tissue. Right, so that's what we want to eat. Number five, volume. Dun dun. Now I'm big on not counting calories at all. I fucking hate it. <laughs> but remember, I said this at the start. Remember, this is not this podcast is not about bodybuilders and smashing the gym and being fully sick, bro. So that's the reason I don't like it. However, however, calorie counting in some instances can be quite useful. And the instances that I that it is useful in is usually if you are an athlete, usually if you are someone that's about to do some kind of competition where body composition is super important. But volume in the situation of muscle building is that we need to eat more, okay? Because you can't, you can't build a building without plaster and timber and metal, right? It has to come from somewhere. We can't build more than we already have without the actual protein to build, right? So we have to actually increase the amount we're eating, increase the amount of protein going in and increase the amount of overall food that fuels the body, okay? And so you can count calories. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I'm, I'm more a fan of weighing food. However, when I say fan, I'm not a fan of either of those because it develops, we get into diet culture psychology. And if you're becoming super obsessed with the calories and super obsessed with the weights and super obsessed with your body image, you've gone down the wrong path, okay? Don't get me wrong. I want you to be the healthiest version of yourself, but that means mind and body. You don't want to sacrifice the obsessive diet culture behavior and poor psychology for the desire of a good body, right? It doesn't work. Life doesn't go well. It doesn't matter how good you look you know, in the mirror. If your head's in a place where you're constantly beating yourself up, constantly saying your body's not good enough, constantly saying that you shouldn't eat this or eat that, living in a place of deprivation, negative energy, restriction, life will be shit. It doesn't matter how many abs you've got, <laughs> right? So when it comes to volume, we want to put more food in the new usual and you you can find a way that sits comfortably for you in, in being able to measure that however don't risk your psychology in the process okay and i don't think as well and this is you know this is a, again it's contextual to the individual but i personally think calories should not be tracked over a day they should be it's, there's no calorie clock in your body that just says oh okay 24 hours is ticked over we're back to zero right so i think it should be tracked over a week and we should sort of calculate it over hours. Now, I don't want to get too much into that because I don't think it's useful to most people. I would only do that with particular personality types in a one-on-one -on -one context, all right? But you definitely need to eat more protein to build your body up, okay?
All right, number six is pretty much what I've just covered is psychology and mindset. You don't want to do this for vanity, right? This vanity metrics, like how many Instagram followers you've got because you're pretty, it's useless. It's unfulfilling. It's not good for your health, right? So you don't want to be doing any of this bodybuilding for superficial reasons. You want to be doing this for your everyday health. You want to be, I talked about this before, a change in mindset. If you lost weight because you want to be a healthier version of you, then awesome. Building muscle, take the same you know, initiative to that. If, if you know that having a greater muscle uh, density in your body is going to mean that you feel better, your brain functions better, that your children look up to you and think, oh, you know, mum's really healthy or dad's really healthy. I want to be like mum and dad, then that is amazing. But if you make it about vanity or superficiality, then you're going to be a terrible leader. You're going to teach your kids that, you know, skin deep is all that matters and that real substance is pointless. And this is not what we want from our kids or the, you know, maybe you've got a, you're a leader at your work or you're someone that your social group listens to and looks at. You want to be a leader for positive reasons because it makes you a better person. You get better every day. Being healthy is a good thing. It increases and improves the quality of your life. So, However, having said that, the times that it is okay is if you've committed to doing a competition, like a body comp, a body sculpting comp. That's cool to give that a go. Maybe you're working towards some type of physical goal. I personally love doing Spartan races, those long obstacle races. I love that stuff. However, the reason that I really like that is because it's actually not about body image. I definitely need to gain muscle. I definitely need to eat more protein. I definitely need to do workouts and smash heavy weights. However, the focus is on physical capacity rather than look at me, look how good I am, right? So that's, and that's my personal preference. You might be different, but make sure you're doing this for the right reasons. And if you go into comps, don't get sucked into that culture. It's a toxic culture, right? And a lot of people in those kind of competitions, by the way, really fuck their bodies because they put themselves under such extreme conditions uh, that, you know, they really just mess their shit up. So be careful if you go into that space and don't go into that space without someone that's appropriately trained and understands how to diet, reverse diet, and get you back to maintenance in a healthy way. And when it comes to calories and stuff like that, as you know from listening to the show, I am big on hormones, right? It's it's way before you're counting calories. It's 100% about how the food interacts and dictates and controls your hormonal response. That's the first big thing. And, and if you're ripped, it's the same thing if you're trying to build muscle because you need your testosterone and your estrogen and your cortisol and your insulin to all do the right thing. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how much you eat, you're still going to put it in body fat because you're stressed, because you're eating at the wrong times, because your hormones are reacting in different ways. So anyway, Calorie rant over, and I've done a podcast debunking the calorie myth. There's so many studies out there that show that uh, move more, eat less just doesn't work. Virtually everybody that increases their exercise increases their caloric intake because, of course, they've increased their energy expenditure. So you need to replace that shit. Anyway, rant, rant, rant. Um, All right, number seven is I want you to understand that just like weight loss, building muscle takes time. It takes ages. And I don't say that to discourage you. I I say that for you to take a realistic perspective and it kind of taps into the psychology of it, that it's not about image and you're not just going to look like the person you want to look like in a week. You need to focus on sustainable long-term health and the function of your brain and your body and, you know, the the way that you feel in your own skin. You need to understand that, you know, if you're out there trying to get a booty for the first time, that it's probably not going to be the booty you want it to be for a couple of years, right? And that takes going to the gym a couple of times a week, solidly eating well for months and months and months and 
I don't say months and months and months to say it, make it sound like a big long drainer. I say that because it should evolve into what is your normal life. Your, your aim should be. And that's why my aim is to help people get to the sustainable, healthy life that they truly want. Because living this way needs to just evolve naturally one tweak a week into being the way that you normally operate, right? So understand that it takes time to build muscle. It's not going to happen overnight. And for any women out there or men that are worried about getting super ripped, you need to eat so much food and you need to put your body under so much weight and stress. Like, you know, don't freak out too much. You're not, you're not going to become, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger overnight. That, that shit takes ages, right? But commit to the journey of being a healthier person and employ the strategies that help you do that and help you feel great. And all of the other things will either not matter really much anymore or will happen naturally as a result of the process, okay? So, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope this has answered your questions. If you've ever got questions right uh, or you want to request an episode, just send me a message on Instagram. Uh, just drop into the slide into the DMs as they creepily uh, say uh, and just let me know. Be like, tell me what you liked, tell me what you didn't like uh, and I would really love it too if you enjoy this podcast or you listen regularly, if you can please jump onto the Apple Podcasts uh, page, scroll down and write a review. I would love you to give us five stars uh, and write a review because this really helps the podcast podcast grow. And of course, too, if you found this beneficial or you know someone that's trying to figure out how to build their muscle and wants a starter, this is probably a good place to start. So share this episode with them. Take a screenshot, put it into your Instagram stories uh, and tag me at Maddie Lansdowne on whichever platform you like to hang out on. Uh, And uh, other than that, if you want to join the Facebook group, uh, the link is down below. You can ask questions about any of this stuff in the Facebook group. You can request episodes in the Facebook group too. So that's probably the best place to do it actually. So scroll down and click the Facebook group link below in the show notes. Anyway, gang, thanks for being here. I appreciate you hanging out. I'm going to bring more of these episodes to you, answering people's questions and uh, can't wait to hear from you. All right, we'll chat soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.